This episode was previously part of Verwondering, the leading design podcast of the Netherlands. This show was the predecessor to Memorable Design. But are these manifestos uh, a sort of distraction? What we're not good at in, as, a, as a species is, is this thinking in, in nuance. Telling people that the world is complex is not is, is not so quotable. It, it doesn't get them. It, it, it doesn't get the, the the blood boiling. It doesn't rouse passions. And but I would like to make an argument for well grounded, thoughtful moderation, which these days to me is probably the most radical position it seems that you can take. This is season one of Memberful Design, a show about firestarters sparking initiatives that have a lasting impact. It was formerly known as Verwondering, an award-winning Dutch design podcast. Now we're bringing it to the international stage in English. Discover what it takes to let your plan succeed and create meaningful connections. The power of the collective requires the commitment of the individual. In every episode, Harold Dunning, founder of Design Studio Momkai and co-founder of journalism platform The Correspondent, talks to other designers, creative directors, artists and entrepreneurs about the impact of their work. We want to hear from you too. You can visit memberful.design to share your thoughts and check out the show's gallery. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Memberful Design on your favorite podcast platform. And sign up for our newsletter at memberful.design. On June 29, 1996, I was on the very first direct flight from Amsterdam to Beijing. A young teen at the time, I had no clue about the historic significance of this event. As we went on holiday... I simply joined my parents on this inaugural flight by KLM, the Royal Dutch Airlines, when it opened its first direct route to China. It gave me my first taste of life outside of Europe and a peek into a culture so vastly different than the one I grew up in. One thing was remarkably similar to my own upbringing. The streets were flooded with bicycles. In those days, a bicycle was one of the most popular products in China and even considered a perfect wedding gift. The country was known as a bicycle kingdom and the vast majority used them to get around. Hordes of cyclists flowed like rivers to Chinese cities. How much the world has changed since then. That airline company added many more destinations to its roster. In the streets, pollution and congestion became the norm as the motor vehicle now ranks amongst the most popular products in China. The country is en route to dethroning the US and becoming, once again, the world's largest economy. Achieves a crucial role in the global supply chains. And as we become more interdependent, we are subject to the fragilities that arise. Globalization, now excessive, once seemed to offer designers both the tools and the challenges that we love to take on. It did, only to bring along with it a climate crisis that we're just now beginning to fully understand. And which impact we see in rising sea levels, sinking cities, and extreme heat waves no carefully designed Dyson can keep us cool from. 
Mix in the oil pandemic, energy costs that go through the roof thanks to the world's largest country waging war, and add just a single ship running aground in the Suez Canal, causing a monumental traffic jam, and we find ourselves with a globe that isn't the borderless adventure land we once hoped it would be. As the geopolitical landscape shifts, wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help us make sense of it all? Luckily, design is collaborative in nature, and I'm deeply honored to welcome our guest of today, Eric Chen, the new general and artistic director of Het New Institute, the New Institute, that weirdly intriguing place for architecture, design, and digital culture, based in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Eric grew up in Chicago with his Taiwanese mother. In California, he studied architecture at Berkeley, followed by design history at Cooper Hewitt in New York. On a whim, he moved to China, and by 2010, he was the creative director of the Beijing Design Week. For seven years, starting from 2012, he built a collection from scratch for M+, a brand new museum in Hong Kong. He was the creational director of Design Miami, served on numerous boards and juries, wrote a book on 20th century Brazilian furniture design, and his articles have been published anywhere from the New York Times, Wallpaper and Design to CNN, Architectural Record, Fast Company and Fantastic Man. For the past 13 years, he lived happily in Shanghai and had no intention of leaving. What drew this explorer to a young institution that nevertheless has a long history, a story that he has admired for years? And what can we learn about connecting with our own cultural heritage? Eric, welcome to my study at Mumkai. Great, thanks, Harold. <laughs> uh, where's home for you? Rotterdam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, <clears throat> was very lucky to um, have found a great uh, apartment on Breitnerstraat, yep. uh, yeah. not far from the New Institute. Uh, and, I, and I say very lucky because, uh, I mean, speaking of all these sort of um, urgencies and so on that you uh, uh, so, so eloquently brought up in your in introduction before I moved here, uh, or as I was moving here, uh, a lot of people were warning me how, how difficult the housing situation yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and I, I must say, maybe in a slightly uh, dismissive, maybe even slightly arrogant way, having lived in sort of New York and Hong Kong and yeah, Shanghai, yeah. I was like, how, how bad could it be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I can assure you, um, yes, I realize how bad it truly is because it's, it's, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Uh, worse than uh, any place I've seen. Really? Yeah. That bad? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and what is what is um, wrong with it? What how would you describe that? Well, uh, I mean, of course, there 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 are the, the much broader issues, but I mean, just in terms of my my personal um, uh, experience, I just couldn't, you know, um, on the website of one of the main uh, rental agencies, yeah. uh, it said, you know, uh, uh, you're welcome to. On, on the homepage, it said you're welcome to contact us, but uh, we we probably won't get back to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and sure enough, I mean, even I I, I tried uh, through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. I actually reached someone at that uh, at that agency, and two weeks later, she got back to me saying, "I'm sorry, but we have a wait list of over seven thousand people just to see uh, places." Wow. Crazy, but you found a really beautiful place right up uh, opposite of the new institute, right? Yes, and it was the only place that got back to me, oddly enough. Oh, really? So I'm, I'm taking it as a positive sign uh, oh. that this was all, <laughs> yes, somehow meant to be. Um, 
And what, what is the view from that apartment? Ah, well, actually, from my bedroom, I have a view of the new institute and uh, the the Boymans uh, and the new Boymans Depot. So, yeah, so Boymans is the, the museum yes. uh, in Rotterdam for, for contemporary art. And um, they build a really beautiful... I was there yesterday, um, seeing the depot for the first time. So I think this from the museum, it's the first time that yeah, you can see all the works. Um, uh, and it's this beautiful building, almost like a, yeah, a bowl. Yeah, it's of, a giant yeah. mirrored bowl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I heard that it was inspired by the, a sort of shiny bowl from Ikea. Yeah, that, well, that's <laughs> what Winnie Moss of MBRDV, the, the architect, yeah. uh, <laughs> has, has has revealed yes, and but it also gave me a, a um, almost literally a, quite a different view on the new institute because the building is uh, opposite the building that building is the, I think from 1993, yeah. but you see that reflected in the in this giant sort of bowl, but weirdly enough because everything is like a mirror it doesn't really feel like a big thing is in front of you it's almost like you you absorb the the, the surroundings. And you immediately start to spot like, where am I in this big, in yeah. this big mirror? But yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the idea was that it would somehow disappear into the landscape because yeah. it, it is in the middle of, of of the museum park in Rotterdam. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, besides besides um, uh, being inspired by an IKEA uh, <laughs> a salad bowl, yeah. um, uh, you know, Winnie uh, Moss, the architect, will will often talk about how. Um, that that shape uh, was appropriate because uh, his intention was to actually create more green than was being taken away because of the bowl shape. Yeah. Uh, at least at least theoretically, yeah. uh, uh, the roof of the building uh, is is therefore bigger than the, than its footprint. Oh. Yeah. and the roof is a garden, right? Uh, not all of it, but no. yes. Uh, Partly, there are like trees <laughs> there. Yes. There's some some green there. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, you you came before um, uh, you came from uh, from Shanghai now where you were for thirteen years. Oh, uh, uh, three years. Three uh, years. It was, it was uh, Beijing, Hong Kong, and Shanghai was was thirteen years in total. Oh, yeah. in China was yeah, thirteen yeah. years. Okay. Um, what drew you to the institute? Yeah, um, I mean, as 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 you mentioned, uh, the institute and also uh, its predecessor organizations uh, were were uh, institutions that I was uh, that I knew uh, mm-hmm. and, and that I always uh, had had admired um, you know my first visit to Rotterdam in the mid 2000s was actually uh, at the invitation of what was then the, the Netherlands Architecture Institute mm-hmm. uh, uh, which was uh, subsequently merged into the new institute uh, alongside uh, the, the Premzilla uh, and, and and virtual culture the um, uh, the the design fashion and e-culture uh, uh, organizations and you know, I'd always sort of followed what uh, what uh, the institute uh, had been doing um, uh, since 2013, when it became the institute, and uh, was always yeah really a, a, a huge admirer. I mean, I, I, I've said this before, and I, I, I'll keep saying it. I mean, it's it's really uh, a totally unique uh, institution in the world. I mean, I, I really can't think of any other place um, that has such an amazing collection, but also such a deep rooted culture and mandate for experimentation that works across disciplines, that um, that works at local, regional, and global uh, levels, that also uh, has has the size um, and resources and wherewithal to, to, to really uh, do something with uh, with with its potential. And, and so when the uh, this opportunity came up, I was like, I'd, I'd be stupid not to 
uh, not to give it a shot. Yeah. And, 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 and as you said, I mean, I, I was quite happy uh, in Shanghai. So it, it, it took, uh, a, I think only the, the new institute would, was able to, it could only be the new institute that could tear me away you okay. know, from, uh, from Shanghai. And uh, is that also due to the what you call the, the mandate for experimentation that you could really try out stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 really kind of remarkable. I mean, in some ways, I'm with you know, there's there so many great institutions out there, but but in some ways, I, I do feel like we are 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 able to um, be a little bit of the museum that other museums are trying to be. You yeah. know. Um, uh, but but are 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 having difficulty becoming uh, because um, there is a lot more sometimes baggage or or, or inertia or uh, other pressures that that sort of um, uh, slow things down for yeah. uh, for museums. And, but in some ways, by virtue of the fact that we are so young, but with a long history, you yeah. know, um, uh, we we kind of have the best of both worlds. I I dare say, and 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 I recognize that. Uh. But it's intriguing that you say that because before you could uh, at M Plus, the the Museum for Visual Culture in Hong Kong, you could build a collection from scratch. One would could think yeah. like that's that's the most freedom that you can have. You have a blank slate. But did did that bring a completely different challenge then? Like if you compare it now with with the new institute, is is that is that harder or is it really a different thing to do? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's totally different. Yeah. I, I think they're 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 both you know very exciting but also challenging, uh, uh, but but in different ways. I mean, with with them plus, it was really exciting to be able to 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 build help to help build something from scratch. Um, uh, and also to uh, to build it in a way that that did allow you to explore other narratives, right? I mean, we were building a, a collection with a very express uh, intention of telling different stories. Uh, well, not just telling, uh, not just sort of telling, and some, sometimes even constructing lesser known narratives within our region, um, you know, in in Hong Kong, China, East Asia, Asia, etc. But also in uh, revisiting well-known global narratives from the vantage point of yeah. where we were. So, yeah. you know, we, we were always uh, very clear to, to say we weren't a museum of Asian visual culture. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. about collecting Asian-y things, yeah. <laughs> but rather visual culture, but, you know, from 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 our uh, the perspective of where we were. So that was really exciting. But, you know, uh, I, the, the project was also so big, you know, uh, it, I think you know, the, the budget was over a billion well, euros yeah, uh, yeah. in the end. Uh, I, I don't know if that's been officially sort of <laughs> tossed around yet, but you, but anyone can take the Here. public numbers and yeah. that, that are out there and, and sort of just, just add them up. Um, uh, you know, the six, uh, 65,000 square meters. So that, that, that becomes a different kind of uh, institution with yeah. different sort of pressures. You know, you, you, there's a lot more emphasis on a lot more of a, uh, you know, there is more pressure to do blockbusters and yeah. and, and, and things like that. Uh, New Institute is, is big enough. Uh, you know, we have about 120 staff, uh, but it's not so big. You know that, uh, and also the the funding structures are are are, are different as well. I think yeah. M Plus was moving much more towards an American model. Um, but at the start of M Plus, was it then also that you had to uh, unlearn things? Yeah, or unlearn a certain view. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, as someone who was, you know, my my, my family background is is Chinese uh, uh, via via Taiwan, but but I was, you know, raised, born, raised, and educated in the U.S. and yeah. and, and so uh, the the way you uh, learn these 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 histories and 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 different methodologies, uh, you do have to kind of 
unlearn a little bit. Uh, you know, the question of, of criteria comes up. You know, the, the the criteria that one might use in a museum in New York um, required revisiting for us uh, in, in in Hong yeah. Kong because the the stories were different in in, in many cases. And in the region, there are many museums being built, and often for more political or bureaucratic reasons. And you called them once magnificent buildings uh, where no one knows what to put inside of them. Um, and you want to counter that with like reverse curating. How, what, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. So this was a research studio that I did uh, through um, uh, the curatorial lab that I uh, uh, started at Tongji mm. uh, University in Shanghai. And um, this 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 lab well kind of it's sort of like a, sort of building on the the work we were doing at M plus it was kind of re, uh, rethinking different uh, curatorial practices in you know uh, the context of of of, of China or, mm -hmm. or, or and um, so as a curatorial lab you know the, the uh, we weren't going to just sort of teach the skills yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. that 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 curators at, at institutions in, in in the U.S. or Europe or wherever. Um, have have been taught for for decades, but rather we wanted to look at um, the specific, the specificities of the cultural condition in in, in China mm -hmm. um, to see what curatorial practices make sense and and maybe even how we might evolve new ones. So one of the issues we looked at um, was uh, this phenomenon of a lot of this of, of this museum boom, uh, in which literally thousands uh, of museums in the past. 10 plus years have been yeah. built um, throughout the country. And, and, and as you said, uh, well, maybe we don't need to go into it so deeply, but, um, but they've been dr driven by, you know, economic, yeah. uh, political, bureaucratic, uh, and even architectural uh, agendas, but not so much kind of curatorial or, or programmatic ones uh, yeah. in, in many cases. So you wind up with oftentimes spectacular buildings, but... Yeah, there's there's no plan for yeah. really how how they'll be used, um, and uh, even when there is a plan, they weren't often designed to really accommodate you know their uses as as well as they could because yeah. They, so yeah, we called it reverse curating. So we we were looking at uh, these buildings which will not go away and and, and shouldn't you know perhaps uh, go away, but. Uh, but to start with the building and then sort of reverse, <laughs> reverse engineer it from a programmatic point yeah. of view, uh, to kind of find a, a socially and culturally re relevant purpose for them. And has it been applied somewhere? Like has it been like? Do you see a certain change in in the in 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 the view on on museums? Uh, totally. I mean, um, with, with this studio in particular, we were fortunate to be able to work with a project that. Uh, Open Architecture, which is a very credible uh, architecture studio based in Beijing, doing an amazing uh, doing amazing work. Um, they were commissioned to design a kind of museum slash monument slash landmark, you know, by uh, by by a, a city in, in in north northeast China um, or in, in in Shandong Province, and 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 that was a brief. And and this was very and this is very common, you know. Yeah. Uh, Design something cool for us, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and make yeah. it cultural. Yeah. Um, and 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 opens fantastic, and 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 they're very good at giving um, uh, their projects, you know, real social uh, social value in general. Uh, but we were uh, fortunate to be able to work with them uh, to to um, uh, to turn this landmark. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible it's it's an incredible building. Uh, very difficult building for uh, exhibitions because there's not a straight line um, 
in it. It's kind of like a giant volcano, concrete yeah. volcano rising on the shoreline uh, of, of, of the Yellow Sea. And, and, and its form is, is, is determined by uh, the movement of, of, of the sun and also air currents. Oh, wow. So it's meant to actually be kind of like a... Uh, Kind of like a celestial instrument, you know, yeah. uh, vis-a-vis Stonehenge or 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 or, or, or whatnot. Um, so we 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 were able to kind of work backwards with them uh, to develop an idea that an, an initial idea they had of of, of uh, making this a kind of digital um, museum, but also a digital and now phenomenological uh, museum, sort of uh, that also serves as an education center, looking at environmental mm-hmm. um, and other issues. Uh, for for um, the listeners that don't have a mental image now of this building, we will uh, add them also in the in the gallery online. So um, then they can see this more. Uh, yeah, you see the whole shoreline of Hong Kong, and this is really at the front, right? Oh, Where, this monument. Uh, this monument is in, uh, this, oh, this pardon, museum this is in uh, a Yantai, which is a okay. city in Shandong Province in, in in mainland China. Ah, yeah, okay. But we should uh, we, we we can show M plus also because that's also a beautiful waterfront site. Yeah, uh, exactly. R- right on Victoria Harbor. Yeah, so I, I can even benefit of the gallery myself, <laughs> <laughs> having a better view of which building we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you described it indeed, uh, having uh, studied uh, in in the US. Uh, you studied at UC Berkeley, which is a gigantic school and then went to to Parsons where you were only 16 in a class in New York in um, for the for, for my program yeah. yes yeah um to me it almost uh, looked to me a bit like um you have found maybe your new Parsons because you you came from uh, a, a gigantic country <laughs> <laughs> China to to that small little country of the Netherlands yeah does well. it feel a bit like that that you feel like it's a more smaller scale a different kind of operation it's not something that I that I think about. Um, uh, you know, in some ways, the projects I was able to work on in China were bigger physically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and and maybe bigger in some cases budget wise and bigger audience wise. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, in Rotterdam at the New Institute, I I actually feel like what we can do there has potentially bigger impacts still uh, uh, discursively in terms of. Um, how we were how we're able to kind of again uh, experiment, but also put ideas into action and and um, and uh, do our best to kind of push push agendas forward. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure that I would have had this. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm quite proud of what what we were able to do uh, in China the, with, with the projects I was mm-hmm. involved with. Um, but while I did not plan to leave, uh, I, I was starting to see the the limits of of what I could do uh, within the system uh, there. Do you have more so, freedom now? Uh, I have more, uh, I, I wouldn't say freedom, but I think I have more ability to do things. My, I, I have more, um, what, what's the right word? Um, I have more authority uh, in, in some ways because uh, as a museum uh, director, you mm-hmm. know, you can make decisions um, that uh, I wouldn't be able to make uh, you know, uh, in China. Yeah, yeah. Because of course you worked in Hong Kong, so you're right there on the border with uh, with Shenzhen. You really saw mainland China change over time. Yep. Uh, I think you also experienced it much more at that museum and that institute. With um, I can imagine that what has been created there as a museum for visual cultures might not be possible now. No, I uh, I well. Hmm. Uh, I do think 
uh, M plus uh, and this idea of building this again this massive project yeah. with a with a very very healthy budget. Uh, I think you're right in that uh, it prob- it probably would not be possible uh, now. Uh, but I think it's not just because of of, of the, you know the political developments of, of the recent years of, of, of the recent few years. Um, although of course it's, it's it's all it's all related. But uh, I do think M plus was made possible at a very kind of special moment when uh, um, when uh, globalization was at its peak. And, yeah, and yeah, So exactly. you could and, and as uh, as a city that that saw itself as a global city that that in fact relied on being uh, a global city. Yeah. Famously, its its slogan is Asia's world city, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's much easier to make the political argument for doing something like that. Um, in general, and not just in China, and not just in Hong Kong, but in general, and even before the pandemic, um, we have uh, seen a sort of unraveling and 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 reordering of of what we have known to be globalization uh, since the 1990s, uh, mm-hmm. at, at least. Um, so this is not a, spe- a Chinese specific uh, issue, but but uh, the world has has changed, and 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 I'm I'm not sure that. Um, uh, these kinds of projects are are as are as easy to get through now, uh, including in in Hong Kong, uh, regardless of of, of the, spe- the specificities of of its situation. Yeah, uh, does that sadden you? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that designers have is that they always have their optimism. Yes. <laughs> So we always see some opportunity um, and to do it things uh, differently. And I read one of your um, essays, which was very uh, intriguing about, um, yeah, how we should maybe get rid of uh, manifestos. So oh, not yeah. only write about what we should do differently, but do. But are these manifestos uh, a sort of distraction? Uh, like, do they just... This whole idea of where people really put forward, like we should change this and this and put them in writing, but don't actually have to action upon it. Um, because I think that's what, what we've seen for, for many years until now, especially at many institutions. We put something on an agenda, we, we have a debate about it, everyone feels good. <laughs> yeah. But at the end, you think like, okay, who, who actually started something? Who, who, puts, who, who tried to experiment? Um, is that something what you want to change now, being in this new uh, location? Yeah. Um, so of course, you know, there are many different kinds of manifestos yeah. and so on and so forth. But but the kind that I'm talking about is the kind that um, often often fundamentally serves a rhetorical purpose uh, and is sort of brimming with with uh, and, and as such is sort of brimming with certainties. Yeah. And, and these certainties. Um, require a kind of uh, unifying logic, yeah. right? And um, my my sort of argument uh, against that is that um, these sort of totalizing, you know, worldviews and, and 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 arguments just just don't work. Um, they're in fact what has has gotten us into the mess that we've got. The world has too many manifestos, too yeah. many o- overly certain opinions and yeah. and, and positions. Um, uh, we, we don't need more of that because the, because the issues we face are much more complex than that. And I think sort of going back and forth with these very uh, very dogmatic uh, dogmatic manifestos is a distraction, and in fact, it is often more damaging than than anything else. I mean, it it it. it sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just wondering. Like, was there one that was the tipping point for you? One that you thought like, ah, oh, now I. No, it's been I, I, they, they've been getting on my nerves for for literally yeah. decades. Okay, okay, <laughs> yes, yeah. 
and um, uh, weirdly enough, it's also kind of sort of a manifesto to stop with the manifesto. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. totally. <laughs> the yes. irony. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, of course, the immediate question is, how do you put that in practice? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And that's why, um, you know, uh, so many things often seem so um, intractable. And uh, uh, I think... What we're what we're not good at in, as a as a species is is, is thinking in, in nuance uh, and and also um, adapting to uh, situational ways of, of 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 thinking. We 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 need we want blanket rules and blanket yeah. statements, you know, because we want that certainty. Uh, unfortunately, again, that, that, that's that's what gets us into so many uh, of, 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 of the problems that, that we're facing, social, ecological, this, this, this mindset, the, the, the political polarization, the fact that we can't agree on anything. I, I actually did an, uh, I actually did an uh, exhibition on this in Israel uh, called okay. uh, State of Extremes <laughs> yeah. uh, a few years ago, uh, kind of looking at um, these cycles of, of pushback and backlash and sort of spiraling. Yeah. You know, wh- why do we keep going to, to extremes? Um, uh, and, and and manifestos are are, are or, or that manifesto way of thinking and speaking uh, is, is is a big part of it. Um, so it's 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 again it's it's hard to uh, you know it, uh, telling telling people that the world is complex is not is is not so quotable. It, it doesn't get no. them. It, it doesn't get the, <laughs> the the blood boiling. It doesn't rouse passions. And um, uh, but uh, you know I, I I would like to make. Uh, an argument for uh, well-grounded, uh, thoughtful moderation, which these days to me is probably the most radical position yeah. it seems that you can take. Yeah, you have one uh, researcher in your team, uh, Klaas uh, Kuitenbrouwer, um, who advocated the, the ZOOP, uh, a sort of corporation in which li- human life collaborates with, with non-human life, so non-human interests uh, um have a sort of interest in um, into the organizational decision making. How should we view this non-human interest? So how 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 would it work? So um, yeah, the kind of I, I think basic the basic starting point for this is that um, uh, we uh, I, I think we are increasingly aware that uh, certainly the ecological mess that we're in uh, and and all sorts of, you know um, well it's it's all it's all uh, interrelated but. Um, this stems from a fundamental, what is fundamentally uh, this human-centric mm-hmm. uh, worldview that we've had since at least the European uh, Enlightenment, right? And the idea that uh, you know, man, as as we were called for a long time, uh, is at the center of the universe, and the rest of the world, uh, the rest of nature, the planet, uh, all of the, and so on, uh, are there for our our use and and uh, exploitation. And this, this is how we wound up where we are now. So we have this, you know, these ideas about you know, more than human uh, uh, discourse, these more than human discourses that are out there, which basically are, are saying that we need to, in some ways, go back um, to other ways of seeing uh, the systems in which we are uh, embedded, in which uh, you know other beings, other entities. Uh, also have a voice, uh, maybe mm-hmm. also have rights, you know, the sort of rights of nature uh, movement, um, uh, going back to indigenous knowledges and so on and so forth, um, uh, in, in order to kind of rethink how we do things. Uh, and, and, you know, this, you know, put simply, I mean, it just kind of going back to all this sort of harmony with nature yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of things that we've been taught since yeah. we were a kid, you know, uh, so it, it's, it, it's, 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 it's not that, 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 uh, that strange. Um, but, what Klaus did has done is he's developed a, a framework 
you know, well, the question is, if, if we believe in these more in bringing in these more than human perspectives and more than human, by the way, also includes uh, artificial intelligence too. Uh, if, if, if we're arguing for this, how do we actually, you know, implement it? So he's developed uh, a framework through which uh, we can bring non-human and more than human voices and interests into uh, organizational decision-making processes as a way of instilling more ecologically regenerative practices. You, you can also think of this as a kind of a chief sustainability officer, <laughs> you know, plus. Yeah. Because how it works essentially is now there's a, a non-profit, um, independent, uh, zoonomic institute and, fa- and, and foundation. They are appointing uh, what is being called a speaker for the living who will join our board of directors at the new institute. Um, a speaker for the living. That's what it's I called. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, through this process, uh, on April 22nd, uh, this April 22nd, yeah. uh, Earth Day, we will officially become the world's first ZOOP. Awesome. Um, and this yeah. is really about you know using our privileged position as a cultural institution, yeah. which can work faster than governments, yeah. uh, but also don't have the same pressures, commercial pressures and so yeah. on as private, the, the private sector, to actually try some of these ideas out. We, we can use ourselves as, as, as guinea pigs because yeah. uh, you know, if, if, if we don't do it, uh, who will? Yeah, so it's a prime example of not saying that you do something, but you actually are actually doing it. Um, but just, just take me to the table. How the, the the speaker of the how did you call it speaker speaker for the living the speaker for the living. <laughs> yes. So he or she then then resembles the yeah the other entities or so how, how would that happen? Yeah, we for instance here in the Netherlands we have yeah. a. Um, a political party called the, uh, the the party for the animals, uh, which really sounds like party animals. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say, yeah. but uh, I always really love that concept. So for all those that don't uh, literally have a have a voice at the table, they uh, they are um, yeah resembled there. I think that's kind of what you, in a sort of way, do with the speaker of the living. I think right. Yeah, and it and you know it's it's not um. It's not a kind of, uh, you know, new agey or animistic kind mm-hmm. of cult-like thing. It, it, you know, it's, it's not about um, anthropomorphizing, uh, <laughs> you know, microbes yeah. And, yeah. And, and the birds and the bees. Yeah. It, it really is a way of changing, uh, well, at least for me, it, it's a way of um, uh, changing our mindset or how we frame our relationship to other um, being so that we can uh, perhaps take ideas that are already out there, you know, again, whether it's harmony with, with nature or, 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 um, or just existing like sort of ecological yeah. um, ideas, um, just sort of take them further to, to more deeply embed them uh, in the ways that we um, do things. So, uh, for example, our our garden uh, yeah. uh, at the new institute uh, is being. If you were there yesterday, yeah, you yeah, made no, some construction. I've seen it uh, degrade over time. Like it was, <laughs> it was. Uh, so the garden is partly also a waterfront. What's happening to the garden now? Yeah, so it's um, uh, it's it's being uh, let's say transitioned uh, um, uh, along with sort of zoonomic uh, uh, principles. So we have uh, an, an ecologist. Uh, working um, uh, on the garden, uh, so it's not so much about, you know, uh, imposing a garden design yeah. uh, on uh, on the site, but but also, but 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 more to the point, um, 
le- letting the design be driven by the the needs of the different species that yeah. will both inhabit it and also use it in order to kind of uh, create the healthiest sort of system there um, uh, as possible in in, in 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 the most sustainable way. Interesting. Yeah, we had um, Pete Oudolf yeah, on the show sure. uh, earlier. Um, the 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 world famous uh, garden designer. He uh, designed, for instance, the High Line uh, in uh, in New York, and uh, abandoned um, railway road through Manhattan, um, where they they build a park uh, upon. And he's really always looking for yeah more of a perennial vision on it. That um, how can it exist for way longer, and how can it have uh, uh, plants that are indigenous to to the area and also serve uh, yeah the the ecosystem in that area, which was at the time when he did that. Uh, he, I think his big breakthrough was the Lurie Garden in in Chicago. You must have seen that. Oh I yes, think. of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. it's um, that's right. It's a beautiful garden in between yeah s- skyscrapers. I think it's on top of a, a parking uh, garage, yeah, yeah. which used to be an yeah. Completely non-sexy site, and which he totally transformed into a beautiful garden and used a lot of plants from from that whole Michigan area. I think uh, and very much focused on yeah how how can you better understand that ecosystem and then it can also exist for longer and it's also more self-sustaining in a way. Uh, and I think that's a really a beautiful view. It's almost weird that that is indeed kind of like a new view because c- it kind of feels more like view, yeah. you go back to yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah, I mean, again, it's, um, all, all, a lot of these ideas have been there for yeah. for, for a very long time, uh, and and so part of um, what we need to do is to figure out how to kind of reframe them in a in in a way that 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 allows us to 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 use them and and uh, well not just use them now but also make a compelling narrative yeah. out of them now. It's almost like it's for the first time really becoming a more holistic view, you really get the different perspectives. Yeah. Um, where, of course, would you say uh, artificial intelligence also uh, having a place there? How could we understand that? How, how would that have its place at that table? Yeah. Well, that's a, um, that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, and um, But uh, I think, you know... Um, where AI and 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 technology can come in, as, as, especially, is uh, through the use of, of of tools. And I know that um, we are working now on an installation uh, for the Milan Triennale uh, mm-hmm. later this this summer that will look at um, uh, not just the ZOOP on specific sites that we've identified, but also we've commissioned uh, designers and, and and others to develop uh, tools that help make these non-human voices uh, visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it, in, in 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 doing that, uh, we are able to kind of understand really what uh, what's happening uh, on, on these sites better, uh, in order to sort of define what these voices are, in order mm-hmm. to account for them. Uh, so, uh, still sounds very abstract. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it is. Um, but we, uh, but that's also, I think, why it's 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 increasingly important for us to to become a testing ground so that these things uh, yeah. become less abstract. So, uh, hopefully, uh, after April twenty second, and also at the Triennale, we'll have more to 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 show to to make it more concrete. And uh, and again, I you know, um, it's not just about showing. Uh, it, it is really about about testing. Uh, yeah. And and um, 
then you had to test this idea of testing more on on the people that you work with now. Yeah. Like how how did you went about to doing that? How did you want like when you enter a new location? You've you've just been there now maybe half a year, year so. yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how do you go about to bringing that change if you want to change something within a team? Well, you know, this is uh, goes back to what I was saying about you know the institute being you know, t- totally totally unique in some ways because this culture of experimentation is so deeply embedded there that uh, I mean, uh, n- you know, knock on wood, I I have not really. I mean, it it has not been a struggle. I mean, usually when you try to, when people go arrive at a new organization and they want to make changes, usually the 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 biggest difficulty is is in changing the the culture yeah. of the of, of the organization. And um, so far, I have not, you know, felt any sort of uh resistance to to change it, it's 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 a constant change i mean people sort of uh have different opinions on the name of the of the new institute <laughs> yeah, but, yeah yeah but and and I, I think a lot of the 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 thoughts are you know the, the opinions are of course re- really valid but in defense yeah. of the name yeah um you know the this idea of newness is yeah. is is embedded in the name and yeah. and, and and so it's it, it, it for me the uh, the new doesn't describe the institute at at its state of ins- at um, its time of inception, but rather it describes its permanent state. So uh, I, I think that really describes uh, the internal uh, culture uh, as well. So to always test what you make, or to always crave for the new, or crave for what is coming. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I I, I dare say, I mean, uh, it's. Maybe like a Dutch thing, also. I mean, I like I have been uh, so uh, surprised and, and impressed by how how open uh, people here in general are, are to change. I mean, even the fact that like you know after the uh, the the latest uh, cabinet uh, was was formed, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I remember reading about you know the the, the news and I, I was it just really took me by surprise that you can have entire ministries appear and disappear. <laughs> yeah, 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 just exactly, like that, yeah. which is. Totally, yeah. totally new to me. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, I never viewed it like that. Yeah, like for someone yeah. who's not used to that, that that's just yeah. so <laughs> so incredible. Yeah, because they were also, the people within the institute were also warning you for the bureaucracy uh, that you might experience here in the Netherlands. But I can imagine that is nothing in comparison to the bureaucracy that you experienced in, in the US or in China. But Yeah, I mean, bureaucracy is... is uh, uh, there, there's a lot of bureaucracy everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know, and you'll have to take this with a grain of salt. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm still, you know, uh, still very new and probably a bit naive. Um, uh, but you know, in some ways, the bureaucracy here reminds me of China in the sense that there's a there are a lot of rules, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of procedures, <laughs> yeah. a lot of regulations, and and so on and so forth. But at the same time. There's always a workaround, <laughs> you know. There's a lot of flexibility yeah. in uh, in 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 definitions, um, and um, and uh, you know, people generally follow follow the rules, but at yeah. the same time, they kind of don't care too. <laughs> Is that know? similar then for you to China? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Hong Kong is a bit more like Switzerland. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. but but yeah. uh, Netherlands reminds me more of mainland China. Yeah, oh. in in this sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, also because you would say that it's the the change and the and the speed at which change goes in uh, in in China is is unprecedented with the urbanization. Yeah, I think when you were younger, there was still an uh, agrarian society, right? Yeah, and I always view that that was you really have this from the viewpoint of here that you have this really strong uh, government control, or is that then at at the local level is that is that different? How, how would that work? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, one has to remember that, like the Netherlands, you know, China is not like a monolithic place, and, mm-hmm. and even the government is not necessarily monolithic. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very big, big uh, system with lots of different um, uh, agendas and, yeah. and and viewpoints and situations. And and in fact, one of the uh, long-standing quote-unquote problems from from the point of view of the central government, at least, is getting its its mandates actually implemented. You know, yeah. at, at at the local level. Um, so uh, there is a lot more, uh, and, well, you know, in, in recent years, uh, things have gotten for sure much, much tighter in China. But, uh, but there is, just, uh, in my time there, there, there was always sort of room to maneuver for sure. And that, that becoming more tighter, what, what would you experience of that in your, in your own work? Uh, um, you know, uh, there were, I guess, in in my work as a professor and a curator, mm-hmm. um, you, you were always aware of the sort of red lines, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but the there's there were increasingly more and more red lines, or the the red lines got a little bit redder, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, in, in in recent years. Uh, that's uh, that's for sure. Um, but again, it's 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 not it, it, to stick to stick with the color yeah. <laughs> analogy. It's it's not that black and white. No, you know. Um, but it uh, does seem that you're more careful when talking about it. Is that true? Yeah. Well, because 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 it is more complicated. Yeah. You know, uh, and 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 also, you know, I um, was was just sort of. Um, uh, you know, talking about how how we as humans tend to, you know, like certainty, and you know, yeah. we like to see things in black and white. Yeah. I'm I'm human also, yeah. and, 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 and <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I I have to catch myself sometimes yeah. to, uh, because it is complicated. You know, yeah. um, um, you know, uh, I mean, you asked about Hong Kong and yeah. uh, earlier, and just 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 one example. I mean, um, uh, in 2013 or 14. Uh, uh, when, when I was still in Hong Kong, yeah. uh, we meeting M Plus yeah. uh, did an exhibition on uh, this, this very big, important collection of Chinese contemporary art that was donated uh, by Uli Sig, an important collector, to the museum. Um, and that collection has a lot of Ai Weiwei and and mm-hmm. and, and, and other uh, w- works by um, by by artists that 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 have been critical uh, yeah. of, of government policies. So. You know, when that uh, show was being planned, of course, there were a lot of concerns. We, you know, in, in the media, um, amongst both sort of uh, uh, what was called at the time pro-establishment or kind of you mm-hmm. know, the camp that the, that was more uh, uh, favorable to the central government and the, and the pro-democracy camp. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the one hand, one was concerned that we were going to be showing you know uh, controversial work, and then the other, on the other hand, um, the other camp was sort of could uh, concern that we weren't showing enough, or, yeah. <laughs> or, or or that we were, you know, you you, you sort of couldn't win. Um, yeah, exactly. um, so this this became, you know, uh, not not a scandal, but but certainly something that 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 was discussed and 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 noticed. 
uh, and Ai Weiwei then as now was always the kind of you know mascot uh, yeah. example of of, of this. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ai Weiwei at the same time as the show was being planned had four exhibitions in Beijing. Wow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I mean, you know, it's it's always much more. It's 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 not like you know, I, uh, the kind of um, media narrative yeah. here uh, is is incredibly uh, simplistic, um, yeah. and 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 really does sort of uh, uh, reduce things in a way that's really sort of not uh, not constructive. Also, yeah. because when it comes to M plus, you know, whenever I'm asked about M plus here yeah. now, and because no one's been able to go visit since the opening no. because of the, the travel yeah. restrictions, um, that's, a, that's the only thing they ask about. And, and, and when yeah. I read about M plus in yeah. the Western media, it, that's all that's talked about. Um, and so people are, it, it becomes, people are concerned that uh, there's going to be censorship and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll be very honest. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of this media uh, brouhaha is actually going to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, because the, the more you talk about it, the more uh, uh, the, the more you're actually sort of uh, yeah. banning that 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 uh, uh, the the uh, the intensity of the scrutiny and 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 the politic and the politicization of of the museum. And in your work, I was also kind of. Um Thinking about the the, the the architects, which which path I can imagine that that feels more closer to to your own uh, path, uh, being uh, the, the Chinese American architect uh, I M Pai, who is um, sadly passed away uh, in uh, 2019. He uh, became 102, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. and among the grace of the modernist uh, generation of architecture, and they really created beautiful space. I think everyone knows the Louvre and uh, decided to move to the U.S. to study architecture and was kind of forced to to stay there, I yeah. think, during the the, the Second uh, Sino-Japanese War. I think yes. that's that's like... Otherwise known as World War II. Yeah, it's here, like yeah. this is closer before it, right? This is 1937, yeah. I think. Um, and um, he... You 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 met him once, right? Yes, like you had yeah. lunch with him. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, you read the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, in Gramercy, yeah, because I, I lived in Gramercy uh, in in New York, uh, yeah. um, uh, close close by there at the Gramercy Tavern. But what do you remember of that conversation with him? Yeah. So at that point, I forgot what 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 age he was, but he was well into his nineties. I, I think maybe ninety seven yeah. or or, or ninety eight even. Yeah. Um, and I uh, was uh, working uh, at M Plus, and we were be- starting to think about doing an IMPay exhibition because, um, believe it or not, he, there was none. There had never yeah. been one of uh, at least no yeah. large scale uh, exhibition because because he didn't want one. Yeah, you know, here's the designer of, yeah. you know, some of the great museums, uh, sp- museum spaces in the world, yeah. the Louvre, the, the National Gallery in in, in Washington D.C. But but he never had his own uh, museum show. Again, yeah. he, he he didn't want it, but. Um, so uh, we were. Uh, I, I wanted to do uh, an interview with him, uh, and so I uh, went through his his son Sandy, who uh, who, who was a friend of a friend, yeah. and, and and who was has been so supportive uh, throughout this whole process. Um, and uh, Sandy tried to arrange this, but his his father uh, I M Pei insisted that we have lunch uh, <laughs> first. Yeah, uh, and Sandy was like, you know. 
I could tell he was hesitant and he was like, well, maybe we could do the interview first. Um, and I guess his father was like, no, 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 we're yeah. going to have lunch first. And uh, the reason Sandy was hesitant was because lunch with IMP meant a lot of wine. Okay. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, um, I forgot what he ordered, but uh, he, the, the, he, 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 um, you know, he was a regular uh, at, at the restaurant and they, they, they knew what he wanted. And so there was a, a, a generous um, helping of wine. And, yeah. you know, afterwards we did the, we started the interview and I, I have to say the most I got out of the, the interview was basically this, this story. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes. But you did do the, the exposition. Uh, we're still yeah, yeah. so we um, uh, the we, this this is uh, going to be a, a really substantial show uh, uh, almost two thousand square meters yeah um, uh, so we were a waiting for the building to open which yeah. it just did uh, a few months ago and then uh, the show will be uh, opening uh, uh, either twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. Okay, um, so that's still still coming up. Yeah, and uh, you're the new as the institute, the new artistic director of the London Design Biennale, right, for next year. Yes, yeah. So we, um, I'm super excited that we um, uh, will be uh, as the new institute, the artistic director of the next London Design Biennale yeah. uh, uh, in 2023. Uh, this is, uh, I think, a, a chance for us to kind of. Um, uh, looking at the format of the biennial, which is sort mm -hmm. of based on national and territorial representation. Uh, and you were talking about, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, earlier, uh, or we were talking about how sort of the nature of the global has changed yeah, in, exactly. in, in yeah. recent years. Um, so we will be kind of playing with the biennial format in order to investigate. Uh, Literally playing, right? It's like a game. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, something like that. Okay, so still, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's only one way to find out. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, but um, you know, we're 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 really excited, and and it's also, I think, um, a, uh, a way of thinking how we can also use a biennial as a testing ground. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Uh, so, so. Uh, all I can say for now is that we're not just sort of announcing a theme and asking the and, and asking uh, uh, all, all the participants to just sort of respond to it. We're okay. we're we're, we're going to have a little more fun with it. Okay, uh, it sounds like you're still very much experimenting with it. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's very good. Um, lastly, which I ask all my uh, my guests, um, is there one design in particular that you're most grateful for? Um, oftentimes, you know, the best answer is the most immediate uh, yeah. answer, right? Because we should be grateful for uh, the moment that that we're in. And yeah. I just arrived here from uh, from uh, Rotterdam and then running around uh, Amsterdam a little bit. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, as a newcomer, I'm very grateful for the o the Ove chip cart uh, oh, because wow. you can yeah. use it yeah. <laughs> on yeah. any system, yeah. anywhere in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, it really. Uh, uh, and, and, and as someone who's new here, uh, it really makes getting around uh, a, a new country for me yeah. that, that I want to see as much of as possible. It makes it as, uh, as easy uh, as, as possible. So thank you, Ove Chipkart. Cool. <laughs> uh, and we hope that you feel really yeah, more welcome than in the country by sure. traveling so easily and yeah. uh, that uh, all the public transportation doors open so easily for you. Um, thank you for this conversation. It was a real joy to have you here. Thank you. It's, it's been really fun. So, so thanks. Hi, I'm Brenna Foster, part of the team that works on Memberful Design. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Now, we want to hear from you. We're researching what makes communities, memberships, and movements so powerful. Or in short, how to better design for belonging. You can help by sharing your own experiences in our first listener survey. Go to memberful.design community or click the link directly in your show notes to complete the survey. It only takes a few minutes to share your wisdom and it's completely anonymous. Even better, we'll share takeaways on a future show. So keep listening and let's learn together. Many thanks from the entire Memberful Design team.